to recap, uh, we started this theme, Jesus Every Day, and I want you to try to remember that. I've been bad about sending that out as a reminder this week. Uh, our baby got all of her shots today, or half of them, or something like that. I'm not really sure how it works. Um, she's not a big fan of shots. I know, right? Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, anyway, we have this theme, Jesus Every Day. It's all about you living and me living with Jesus every day, finding a way to run to him every day. And so one of the ways that uh, uh, that we're, we're trying to – I got scared for a second. I thought I had, I thought I had last week's lesson with, up here. But anyway, we're trying to identify, rediscover, dig deeper – um, and even find Jesus in different ways and different places in Scripture um, and, and through prayer and worship and other different activities and opportunities every day. Service, just helping people out. The way you smile, the way you talk, you know, the way you move, is it moving you towards Jesus every day? And so join me in this. And one of the ways I'm going to have uh, encourage you in this, and one of the ways we started, is this Get, get Hungry Challenge. Um, the, the, the goal here is, for you to dig into Scripture, to dig into Scripture again, to keep digging into Scripture if you are already, whatever. And, and my goal is for you to discover your hunger for the Word, to hu- discover your hunger for His Word, the Bible. Um, and so we're starting in Genesis. If you haven't started already, I'm hoping that some of you already have and that you're di- diving through Genesis. You know, we started studying that last week, and we're going to be studying it for a while. But once you finish the book of Genesis, to encourage you, to remind you of your hunger, I'm going to remind you of also of your physical hunger you'll get the chance to spin this wheel and win a number of different hunger items or some random items that i have yes there there's all sorts of treats in there there's gift cards in our lunchbox is what it's going to be called i'll get it out some other time it's i don't have it with me at the moment um i'll tell you more about these later on drinks obviously mystery items uh Toys or something else, like it's not just a candy bar, like I have Pokemon cards in the box and stuff like that, so um, that's a surprise, that's a surprise, anyway, um, lots of good stuff. So this is just to, to encourage you um, to, to get into the Word, you know, whatever it takes to dive into the Word, I think it's a, good, it, it's a helpful thing um, for the most part. Um, so this is all about you getting hungry for the Word, and this is just one way to man, challenge you, encourage you, inspire you to do so. Um, and so I hope you join me in this. Uh, i got to restart Genesis in order to participate. Right now I'm in Leviticus, and then once we get there, we'll go over some cheats and stuff. But what we're going to do is we'll do Genesis, and then we'll do Matthew, then we'll do Exodus, and then we'll do Mark, and then maybe Leviticus. I might just let you all skip it. Um, it's, a, it's a hard, hard book. You have all this energy about reading Scripture. You come to that book, and you're like, what is the point? Um, no, Leviticus is a bunch of laws and rituals and rules and sacrifices and uh, it's just lots of that. Uh, numbers has lots of names. Numbers. The book of Numbers has lots of names because it tells you how many numbers is that name of that family and then how many numbers is this. And how, yeah, but I'll help you all. If, if we can get through Genesis, we start here. We start with a good book of Genesis and, and then we keep going. So um, get hungry. Dive into Genesis. I'm going to start reminding y'all more. Make sure you're signed up on the church app um, or, or what, something like that, and I'll, I'll help you out. But start with Genesis Sunday. You can spin. If you finish Genesis by Sunday, which I'm not saying you have to, read it. I mean, if, you, if you're good at reading quickly, go for it. But I'm not. I, I usually have to read slow. 
Right now, I'm reading probably faster than ever, at least three chapters a day, which is really fast for me. Um, I'm a really slow reader. It takes me all day to read just three chapters. No. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to some of y'all spending Sunday if you're up for the challenge. So we're going to keep going with uh, our new motto or, or, uh, uh, of Genuine Youth Ministries, real people, real life, real and a real God. The idea is that, that when we tell people about our church, our ministry, you can say, man, we're, we're just real people going through real life, and all we want is for you to know, for everybody to know, that there's a God that you can be real with, a real God that you can be real with. And so we've kind of talked about the upside of our motto so far. What does it mean to be a real people? We were looking at Gen- Genesis 1 last week, um, kind of discussing, oh, nope, never mind, um, discussing Genesis 1 and kind of asking the question, looking at Genesis 1, what does it mean to be a real person, to re- be a real people? Um, before Genesis 3, before the fall, before sin, what does it mean to be a real people? And it means remembering your identity, remembering that you've been made in the image and in the likeness of God, and that we were created for a purpose, a purpose of relationship, relationship with God, with, with others, with creation, all in an intentional and unique way. And so that's what we kind of talked about last week, and we read how Jesus fully fulfills that image, um, uh, of, of identity and how he he restored a way to where we can also remember and rediscover and fulfill what it means to be made in the image and the likeness of God again. So that's kind of what we talked about last week. So we're going to dive into Genesis two today, and we're talking about uh, you know what does real life look like uh, before Genesis three, before sin, before the fall, before everything was messed up. What does real life look like, or what should it look like? And so let's dive into Genesis 2, grab a Bible, turn to Genesis 2 with me. It should be on page 1 or 2. All right, so Genesis chapter 2 is where we're at, if you will read along with me. I don't know if I have it all up here. All right, anyway, uh, starting in verse 4, verse 4. These are the records of the heavens and the earth, concerning their creation at the time that the Lord God had made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, um, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. But mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in, in Eden, in the east. And there he placed the man that he had formed. The Lord God caused all to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, which flows through the entire land of Hevalia or something, where there is gold. Gold that the land gold from that land is pure beldum and onyx are also there the name of the second river is gihon which flows through the entire land of cush the name of the third river is tigris which runs east of of assyria and the fourth river is the euphrates and the lord god commanded the man nope 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 i skipped a verse the lord took the man and placed him in the garden of eden to work it and to watch over it And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
For on the day that you do, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird of the sky, and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him, no suitable helper. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in his place. And then the Lord God made the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. All right, so here's kind of what we're looking at. Looking at Genesis 2, what does real life look like? Now, we don't have time to look at everything in Genesis 2, but if you have questions as you go, make sure you raise your hand, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to be skipping over some verses, and so if you have a question about something, we might miss it unless you raise your hand to ask it, like Genesis is doing right now. So Genesis, the, the, like the places... Honestly, I have no clue. I mean, I, I don't really know. So, like, right here in the middle, it's, it talks about um, this different kind of land and places and this river that it goes all over the place. And nobody really has a for sure answer about what all those places mean or whatever. Some of them we're familiar with. We know what Assyria is. We know the Tigris River, the Euphrates River. Uh, but that's really about it, I think. Um, really, to me, the image is there's this river flowing out of this garden, this, this you can kind of look at the garden, Garden of Eden, as a piece of heaven, a place with God, and there's this river flowing out of the garden to the rest of the world. You look at the end of Revelation, and you see the exact same picture from heaven, from this kingdom, from the city of God. There's this river flowing out from the trees of life, all this, this trees of life, you know, representing the life with God, and it flows out to the rest of the world, you know, from Jesus, God is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. And it flows, you know, Jesus is the water of life, the river of life. So it's just kind of a picture that God's providing life to the world. So that's that's my best uh, answer for you there. So there you go. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great answer. All right, so again, looking at Genesis 2, what does real life look like? Again, before Genesis 3, before sin, before the fall, what does real life look like? And so, um, and, and the other question is, how does this all fit with Jesus? Where does Jesus connect in all this? And so, uh, again, feel free to ask questions as we go. But I want to start in verse 7 here. It says, the Lord God formed the man out of the dust um, from the ground um, and, and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. So I talked a little bit about this last week, that, that the, the name for man or mankind is Adam, and the name for dust, or the word for dust in Hebrew, or dirt, or earth, or whatever, is Adamah. That Adam, mankind, was created from Adamah. Like, there's this connection. I just think that's kind of important to remember, is that we are part of the earth. We are connected to creation for a reason. Anyway, and then it says, God gives the breath of life. He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. Only God can breathe the breath of life. That's kind of important, that life comes from God. 
And it says he became a living being. He had life. He was now alive. And so humanity is created, specifically Adam here as our representative, and, he, and, and he's given the ability for life, real life. So, so that's kind of our, our part of our motto is real people, real life, real God, and the real God. And so real life is, comes from God. And that, I think that's a huge, huge thing. Real life comes from God. So let's skip along and look at verse 15. What does real life look at? Uh, what does real life look like? It says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. So God, he grabbed man and he threw him in the garden. He placed him in the garden. He placed him into a place that is pleasant. That's what Eden means is, is, is pleasant, a garden of pleasantness, a garden of beauty, a garden of security, a garden of provision, that everything that he needs, that, that Adam needs at this point, is in this garden. God is giving it to him. Um, and so God places him in, in this garden. And what is Adam's job in this garden, according to this, this verse? What? Well, not yet. In this verse. In this verse. What is Adam's job? To work it and to walk up, watch over it. To take care of it. We talked a little bit about this last week, that what it means to be a real person is, is to, you know, God gave us dominion rule to take care of his creation. And so God, God has both given him this garden to take care of him, but also given this garden, Adam, to take care of it. You know, that we are called to, to, man, take care of things. You know, work is not a punishment. Sometimes it feels like it, and work is a whole lot harder now after Genesis 3, but we're not there yet. Work is not a punishment. It's meant to help us to be the reflection and representative of God that, that he's called us to be. Um, he's, God designed us and purposed us, purposed each of us in our own way to create beauty and order, just like God was doing in Genesis 1. You know, it says the earth was formless and empty, so what did God, God do? He formed it and filled it. And he calls us to, to create beauty and order wherever we go as well. So what does real life look like? What does it mean in looking at this scripture? It means that, that real life means being in right relationship with creation. We are to serve, we are to take care, we are to be good stewards of what God has given us. And God has given us a lot. You might not feel like you have a lot. You might feel like you're poor, like you can't go buy Pokemon cards all the time. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> I can't do it. So, uh, but God, oh, I can't go do it all the time. I can't sometimes, not all the time. But God has given us the resources to do good, to take care of, to watch over. And so, Real life mean be, means being in right relationship with creation. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. It says, The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So I want to stop right there real quick. It says, The Lord God, who's that? God, exactly. There you go. God, our Lord. That means boss. That means leader. That means master. Lord, the Lord God commanded. There is a command there. It isn't just a suggestion. It isn't just an idea. But God was like, hey, I have something that you need to know, and you can't stray from it. This is a command. This is not a request. And so that's important. It's a reminder here that God is the creator, and we're the people. God is the one who is, who is God, and we are his people. That we are not God, and that's an important part to remember kind of setting up something that else we see in, in chapter 3 here in a little bit. 
But though they were created in God's image, mankind, humanity, us, we are not God. There is a creator and the created, a commander and the commanded. We are the second. It puts us in a place uh, to choose. Are we going to follow? Are we going to follow? And so the Lord God commanded, saying, hey, I'm going to give you all this, everything, everything in this garden, every tree but one, but one. It's like, hey, this tree grows pizza. This tree grows something that it, just don't worry about. It. You can't have it. This one grows pizza. This one grows candy. That'd be really cool. This one grows money. Um, I think that's how the Garden of Eden was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Keely agrees with me. Thank you, Keely. Thank you. But anyway, God says, but you must not eat from this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, because once you do, you will die. There's this picture painted. There's this 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 thing painted that that if you choose apart from God, there's the opposite of real life. There is death. What you got, man? It, an apple tree wasn't an apple tree. What do y'all think? Or was it a pear tree? I still think it was a pizza tree. No, um, no. It just says it just says a tree, and it just says they took of a, a fruit in chapter three, which we'll get there in a several weeks or something. It says a fruit. It just says a fruit. So, so we don't know if it was an apple. That's just kind of the go-to fruit tree we think of as an apple tree. Um, something. Some people think it was a tomato tree. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it probably had a special fruit on it that we missed out on because we disobeyed or something. Um, because, like, it's like, okay, it's an apple tree. I don't really care about apples. I'll eat the pizza tree. So I don't know if any of that's accurate. So let's just move on. Let's just move on. So he says you can't choose. I mean, you can't eat from this tree. It presents choice. You know, real life. With God, even before the fall, even before sin, even before rebellion, still had choice. God chose to love us, to give to us, and he's called us to choose him, to choose his ways, to choose his will. Life with the garden was never forced, but it was always a place of choice. And that's what love is all about. There's a choice to trust God or not. And God was clear, again, God was clear what the opposite of life with him was, death. So real life is being in right relationship with God. Real life is being in right relationship with creation. Real life comes from God. So let's look at verse 18. Uh, oh, I lied. Verse 22. It's kind of 18 through 24, but I just want to look at a couple verses here. It says, Then the Lord God made the rib that he had taken from man into woman and brought her to the man. Here we have woman. Women are created. Yay. Girls say yay. Yeah, they didn't know what, you know, they didn't, they didn't, that's a good point. It's like, what is death? What is that? And I, I think God just wanted to make it clear that, hey, look, life is from me. Death is, 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 yeah, I don't even know if they fully understood what death was at that point. You know, we get to Genesis 3 and they talk about death again, but, uh, so and they talk about it. So maybe they they sure, surely they had some kind of comprehension. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like you know, and that I think that's kind of what the 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 scripture's getting at here in one and I mean in chapter two and chapter three is God's giving them life, life abundantly, 
with everything that they could need. And God's like, look, I have one request or one command, don't do this, because if you do this, you lose access. And if you lose access to God, you lose access to Messiah. So hopefully, I think, surely they understood that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Is, is Again, this, isn't, this wasn't written for Adam and Eve. This is written for us. So we should know what death is, at least our version of death. But yeah, there's a greater part of death, and that's separation from God. And, and that, that's a really good point. So we come to, we come to this verse, Genesis uh, 2.22. It says, woman, woman is made. You have this story uh, that we could go. I mean, th- there's a whole lot here in those few verses surrounding this one. Um, about how a woman is created and the importance of it and some lots of sermons and lessons that we can take out of it. But really, simply, God knew that man himself couldn't represent, couldn't reflect God enough, but that it would take two. And it's kind of the, it, two kinds of the same humanity, uh, man and woman. Remember Genesis one twenty seven. It says God created him in uh, his created man mankind humanity in his own image he created him in the image of god he created them male and female and we talked a little bit about this um that that part of the idea of life with god is community communion and the way we reflect that is the way that we connect and commune with one another the way we have community with one another and if we can't do that well with one another we don't reflect his nature and so that's part of just part of this this passage part of this this uh, story and this image being portrayed here is that, man, we're called to reflect God through community, through communion, through relationship with one another. And if we can't do that well, then how are we going to connect with God well? So there's just that that really quick thing. Uh, verse 23 um, is is followed with this this shout of joy. Adam is like, man, I finally found the one for me. Uh, and he goes and he breaks into song and does this dance, just like you see in the movies. I don't know. But uh, no, uh, no, he, he, he makes this declaration, this cry of joy that, that he has somebody he can connect with. Other, you know, a, a way to reflect God fully now um, through community, through communion with somebody else. And so real life is also about being in right relationship with others, right relationship with creation, with God and with others. That's what real life is all about. It's about being, again, right relationship, yeah, with God, with others, and with creation. That's what real life is all about. So we know being a real people, before Genesis 3, being a real people is all about reflecting and representing who God is and and, and his calling and his will and stuff like that. And then real life is all about being in right relationship. Life is about relationship with God, with others, and with creation. And so finally, we get to this weird passage, this last little verse in, in Genesis 2 here. It says, but they were naked and unashamed. Why even bring that up? Why is that significant? What do y'all think? Yeah, both of those are right. There's two things here. It's so that you can see the transition. That gen- Genesis 2 is followed by Genesis 3. That there's more to the story. And there's something here that's going to connect with the next story um, or the next part of the story. And so that's important. And then Genesis is also getting at something good here, um, that, that there's a lot of shame in this world. Whether it's tied to our image or not, there's a lot of shame in this world. 
And so, again, there's more to the story, but also that life with God didn't include shame. They didn't feel ashamed, shameful or whatever. We see that our relationship with the world, with God, and with others crumble when shame enters the picture, when, when we choose our own route um, to command our own life. And so there's this connection between shame and death, unashamed and life. And so I, w- I want to show you something. In Mark 8, um, you have Jesus talking here. It says, calling the crowd uh, along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's a choice. If anybody wants to do it, this is, this is what you must do. Now you must choose to do it. There's choice. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life because of me in the gospel will save it. What happens in Genesis 3? What are they trying to save? Their own lives. They try to save their own lives, do things their own way. And what happens? They lose it. They lose life. They lose real life. And, and Jesus is saying here that, look, Real life comes when you stop trying to do things all on your own, that you just submit and follow me. Um, And then it says, going on, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Again, what did Adam and Eve get after they walked out of that garden? Uh, A curse, hardship, labor, struggles, death, difficulty, shame. I don't think that's worth it when you give up everything, the world that God has given you. You know, the life, real life. You can gain, they gained the whole world, but it was a fallen world. And they surrendered, they gave up real life. You know, is it worth it? How does it benefit is what Jesus is saying. And it says at the end of this, for whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so, again, we have this picture that real life, it, it's, it's all about keeping him first, the keeping God first, Jesus first, taking up his callings, his will, his way, and following in right relationship with him, creation, and with others. Because in him, in Jesus, there is no shame. Look at this, Romans 10. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. This is the message, the gospel. This is, this is the hope that we have, that we proclaim. It is this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Again, there's this connection between shame and death. Shame and unashamed, and, and, and being unashamed, living in freedom and life. And it says those who are in Christ, they won't be put to shame. They won't be ashamed. They will live in life once again. They will have real life. Here's another one, John 10.10. 10. It says the thief only comes to k- kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. See, real life was set apart, it is different than some of the life that we experience now. We experience, we experience death. I did, from uh, this year, earlier this year, I did my first wedding. It was my sister and my brother-in-law now. It was crazy, but it was kind of cool to be a part of in that way. Today, I did my first funeral. I was was the officiant of the funeral. I don't know how it works. But anyway, 
which I would rather do funerals than weddings, but that's a different conversation for later. But in this life, we have death, we have struggle, we have shame, we have, we have, we have issues, we have, we have problems. Jesus wants to restore us back to real life the way it was before Genesis 3. And he wants to take it even further. He wants to take it even further, and, and, and he wants to give you life abundantly. And I'm not talking about just, you know, once we die and go to heaven kind of thing. No, he wants to restore real life to you right now. And that's kind of what it means to l- be real people in the image and the reflection of who our God is, living real life in right relationship with him, with others, and with creation. And so that's kind of uh, one more step in our motto and what it means to be real people, to experience real life. And so how are you going to choose to walk in that is kind of the question that I'm going to leave you with. How are you going to choose to experience Jesus every day to let him lead you into restoration of your identity, of who you are, and also restoration of what life should be and is all about? And are you going to join me in the getting hungry for that? I'm hungry for for. Man, the restoration of, of who I am, to, to remember my true identity and not get lost in some of the shame that I felt in my life. I, I want to be redeemed. I want to be reminded of what real life is all about and how I can live abundantly today. I'm hungry for that. And so I hope you are too, and I hope you jump in to this challenge with me, this Get Hungry Challenge um, with me. So one more time, Get Hungry. We're starting with reading the book of Genesis. Man, read it, read it, read it. Um, if you, it, One of the best things that you can do is create a habit of reading. Like, I'm going to read it this time every day. And just try. If it, if it doesn't work, if you don't read for a day, God's not going to be like, wow, all right, done with that person. No, no. He's just like, hey, that's okay. But come back. Let's read some more. Something else that you can do is, is set aside an hour. Say, I know it's Saturday, I'm pretty free, so this time I'm going I'm to tell my parents, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be reading the Bible for an hour, so don't bother me. Um, and then just go for it and see how far you can get and what you learn and what stories you read. Uh, but be encouraged and reminded um, of, of your hunger for him when you do finish, because you'll get to spin this wheel and, and get something cool and hungry and all that stuff, hungerful or foodful, I don't know. And then we'll keep going, we'll keep going and and you'll have more opportunities here. We're going to get to shorter books. I might even let you pick your own book so you have the opportunity to pick a book you like or the shortest book in the Bible. I don't care. We'll, we'll come up with some uh, other ways to help you out um, so that this can get spun more. Because literally, I'll show you in a second how big my box is full of prizes or full of reminders and encouragement. So there's that. Um, oh, and on the, the Get Hungry thing, there's this app that I, I use. I love it. It makes it easy for me to dive into the Word. It makes it easy for me to connect what I'm reading with the whole storyline of Scripture. It's called the Read Scripture app, um, and it's great. I know Stormy told you all about it Sunday, but uh, it's great because it kind of lays it all out for you. All you have to do is click start. It has videos to help you understand like what Leviticus is supposed to be about, and so that when you're reading these crazy chapters, you can be like, I know what it's supposed to be about, and I can kind of connect it, but sometimes I can't, so I just keep going. It's okay. Um, and then it has a, a way to, to just lead you into prayer at the end through a psalm, and I, I just love that app. So um, I finished Genesis um, in maybe two weeks uh, just by using this app, and you can always go faster than it or anything like that. So, um, yeah, 